Hello again from BSP headquarters. Well, technically it's the home office as I'm in my basement right now. But this is Tim, and you're currently listening to episode 22 of the Black Swan Podcast. Uh, this is where we've been giving you a chance to eavesdrop on conversations with Black Swamp artists and educators. Um, as always, there's a lot of amazing podcast content out there, so we truly appreciate you tuning into our series. Uh, seriously, you could be listening to someone like Joe Rogan or Michelle Obama, for all I know. So thanks for being here. Uh, no special housekeeping today. Uh, we are working on a new promotional event for November, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we've got some fresh web content we're working on, plus new video contributions from BSP artists and educators, which should all be cool. So a few weeks ago, I spoke with BSP concert artist Anthony DiBartolo and had a great conversation, which you're about to listen to today. Anthony is a very diverse musician, uh, being classically trained, um, but he's also been working more recently with electronics, live processing, and improvisation, and this is all something we'll, we'll get into. Anthony just released his new EP on October 16th, uh, which he describes as being percussion-driven, straddling lo-fi, hip-hop, ambient, and down-tempo music with an experimental twist. So what's not to love about that? Plus, he's about to be a first-time dad, which is super exciting all by itself. And in the end, we had a full conversation covering a lot of ground. So here we go. You good? Yeah, good. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, so we, sorry, you were just mentioned your Batman mug. And then behind me, I have a picture of Batman, and then I got some Justice League stuff. I'm not a huge comic book fan, I guess, but I have always like sort of liked the Justice League specifically. And then like this picture is from Alex Ross who's a comic book artist and like kind of really very realistic um uh painter and and comic book artist so i don't know i've always kind of appreciated it so are you a comic book fan then i was when i was a kid yeah Yeah. um and my cousin is actually a great artist and um you know he was really into drawing all the marvel characters and and stuff like that so i kind of grew up you know looking at that stuff yeah jamel at at work he was we're not so much anymore but uh, my coffee mug mug says meow on it, so that's my daughter's <laughs> mug. <laughs> uh, uh, so um, yeah, so Jamel and I talk about kind of we're really into all the Marvel and DC movies, kind of at work in general. Um, so we talk about that stuff all the time. We could sit around for like a half hour and chat about <laughs> you know the Avengers and and actually the. So, Sorry, we'll talk about you in a second. But this <laughs> no, is this all... is more important. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah, is definitely this, more important. This is all going to be all about me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we Jamel and I have like a running joke where when the first Avengers movie came out, probably before you were born or something, I don't know, you were, you were like 10 maybe, I don't know. Uh, we were kind of like for a year making half plans to go see it together. And then I went to go see it with my wife and uh, he got pretty ticked at me. So... Uh, <laughs> It's still a running joke. He still gives me a hard time about that. So when um, when did that movie even come out? I don't remember. Oh man, it was easy ten years ago or so. I don't. I could Google it right now, but yeah, yeah. I need to know now. Can you Google it? <laughs> right. <laughs> We're uh, talk- this is important. Important yeah. things. Marvel. Here, I'll I am I'll IMDb it. Okay. okay. All you listening at home, just give me a second, okay? IMDb. That's my uh, my my other favorite pastime too. Totally. 
uh, well, Endgame, no. Infinity War, no. 2012, so eight years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so that was, that was, a, yeah, man, I, I, I guess I'm not as young as I look. <laughs> no, you look I feel young. a lot younger yeah. in my yeah. mind. <laughs> that's, holy cow, man, that's funny. Like, my wife and I were just talking about that, and I was talking to Jamel about that. Uh, those are the only two people I know. My wife and Jamel. Those are the only two people I do anything yeah. with. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about the same thing because I just turned 45 and mm -hmm. uh, I don't feel 45. Like on the inside, my body feels 45 a lot of the time, <laughs> most days. But like in my mind, I still feel like I'm 25 or whatever in college. And Jamel, I'm sorry, I don't mean to spill the beans. Jamel turns 40 this year, okay. like just in a couple days, actually. So we we were talking about the same thing the other day at at work. Like I'm like, dude, you you feel like you're gonna be forty? He's like, well, <laughs> yes and no. I I feel my <laughs> I know what you mean. Like as far as like the body's getting older, and he's kind of been he's into fitness and and health and diet stuff. But like yeah, he's like it's harder to get pounds off now and you know <laughs> trouble spots and stuff like that. So uh, he knows how that is. But in it, yeah, and in, inside he's oh yeah he's still feels like he's a kid you know but ah <laughs> uh, okay well let's talk about you anthony is it anthony cool. do you, would yeah. you go by tony like no, anthony's tony good. oh okay no it's it's anthony or like because you know my dad's from south philly so you had okay. anthony you know anthony <laughs> anthony was like yeah that's how it was growing up yeah so before we get too far like yeah give me a little bit about like kind of bird's eye like how you did grow up how you got into music kind of your your schooling education so sort of where you are now like sure can you give me a brief yeah. synopsis yeah uh so um i started out actually you know playing drums really early my dad was a drummer um when he was mm. in high school and okay. um you know he's a he's a baker so that's it, he didn't go into music and so he um you know he always pushed actually both my brother and i to do what we love to do and uh, my mom the same way and so you know we had music all around the house from yeah. an early age and um so i played drums like i think my first drum set uh we have a picture when i was two wow yeah. and it was just like nothing serious you know just like <laughs> right. hammering away yeah. and um then i took some piano lessons um and kind of kept up with that while i was taking percussion lessons as well like through um through high school and then uh, i did my undergrad at rowan university right um which is kind of close to to where i live now um and i also adjunct there so okay. it's um you know kind of came full circle um yeah. you know recently there and that's where i studied with dean witten um who passed a few years ago but right. great dude um and great and he would actually hate that i called him a dude right now <laughs> but <laughs> or i think man when you called him man that was the thing uh -oh. he's like he didn't want like ah oh, man you know he didn't yeah. like that but he um you know he was like a matter yeah. of respect or just like kind of linguistics he preferred to be referred to as professor or mr witten or no i mean I'll he just... was cool with dean but it was like yeah. it was an ongoing joke i don't oh, know okay. why but there was yeah. a long history of like people calling him man and he didn't like it right um so it was just just like a joke that we have between all of us that studied yeah. under him um yeah yeah um so you're from east coast then like you're from philly then or uh, right outside so i'm oh, okay. like 20 minutes outside of philly oh okay yeah so you're 
you frequent Steve Weiss music then at when you were younger? Or? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And he used to tell me all the old stories because Dean Dean was a friend of of Steve's. Yeah. Um, and so he introduced me to him when I was in college, and so right. it was awesome to get to know him and you know talking about all his old you know mobster stories, and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. delivering for a baker and you know. I don't know. He was, yeah. he was, he was a great dude. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's like, oh yeah. I mean, just through, through work. I mean, obviously Weiss is our biggest retailer. Uh, shout yeah. out to Steve Weiss music right now. Uh, but like working with him was, was really cool. Like with Steve Weiss specifically. And, um, but I mean, it's kind of a teddy bear once you get to know oh him, God. you know, it's like yeah. really abrasive. Like when, you know, when I was in school, uh, undergrad specifically, and I, you know, you couldn't order online, you know, this was 20 plus years ago. So I would, you know, I'd have my Steve Weiss music catalog and then I would call, you know, figure out whatever I wanted. I'd call in and I'd hear Steve, you know, on his typewriter, you know, I'm talking to him. What do you want? Where's it going? Give me your credit card number. And then one, one time I must've given him a digit wrong or he typed it in wrong. And he left a voice, a, a horrible voicemail on my answering <laughs> machine. And my roommate, who was also a trumpet player, we were we went to school together. Who was like, "You got to call this guy back like immediately. <laughs> he is he's angry, dude. He's pissed." And it was just so. Then I call him back. I'm all nervous. Hey, Steve, I'm, I'm really sorry. He's like, "Yeah, that's cool. Just need a credit card number." <laughs> like, oh man, you scared you scared my roommate to death. But uh, so Rowan. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. yeah, and I, I was just gonna say like a funny thing about him too, like just well, you know, because he was just he was a teddy bear and like just so generous. But I actually I have um, his favorite thing from my dad's bakery um, was were these little um, kind of like cheese pockets. Okay, and we would bring them to him sometimes, and he gave me in return um, a a Zildjian shirt. Oh, I actually so. still have it. It's got oh, like, yeah. holes all over it, and I'm right. like, man, but this is like, yeah, I can't this get is rid like of it. the lineage. Yeah. yeah. So sorry. So your dad was a baker, and then you would just deliver stuff to Weiss that he would specifically like shop no, at your I dad's bakery just, just for fun. Yeah. Yeah, I would go up there and um, go to to go get some things, and right. you know, just because I liked him, I would you know, my dad um, would send him some something, and I would right. you know go into the office, and you know, yeah. he would start talking about you know, whatever was going on that day, who was pissing him off or his stained glass or, you know, <laughs> right. whatever it was. Right. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a cool memory. Sure. Speaking of Rowan, do you know the name Todd Wells? Yeah. Is that familiar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were, yeah. well, we went to grad school together at, uh, university of Akron and we were roommates for a year and oh, cool. played a lot together. So I just remember, yeah, he studied with Dean obviously at, at Rowan and, um, I don't, we don't really keep in touch now other than Facebook. So it's cool to see. I think he's still kind of playing doing stuff and he's from New Jersey. So I think he's still around doing that, but yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know him super well, but we did play, um, they had a memorial concert that, um, a bunch right. of alumnus came back a few years back and, um, right. you know, I met him there. We played in remember orchestra piece and a couple other right. things. Cool. Yeah. Uh, um, so then after Rowan, you went to Ithaca, was that right? I did, yeah. yeah. And so I studied with Gordon Stout there, and um, that was just like a life-changing experience for sure. me. You know, like, uh, and, you know, Gordon is still like a good friend and a mentor to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the best part about being there uh, with Gordon was that he just makes everything look so easy. Sure. And also makes everything just, you know, 
like seem like it's possible. And so that's actually what also honed my my composition skills there. You know, I actually started composing at Rowan. Okay. And um, uh, I wrote uh, my first concert piece there, which is Music for Five Marimbas. And um, that piece, uh, we, you know, premiered it there. And then uh, when I got to Ithaca, Gordon just like kept encouraging me to compose more. Um, and I also honed my free improvisation skills actually there because, um, you know, the story that I always remember, I know I'm backtracking a little bit, was from no. Rowan. Um, when I first got really into free improv was when um, I used to go into this side practice room at night and it would be like me and then maybe one or two guitar players, a bass player, like maybe a, a horn player or something. And we would just like shut the lights out yeah. and just like go nuts. And it was like most of the time I played drum set, yeah. But sometimes I'd wheel marimba in there. I'd play like just found objects, or and you know, and we just were like I was just there at a time. I don't, I don't even know that that happens now, unfortunately. But like I was just there at a time where there was a lot of people into just exploratory music. Sure. And so it was it was just like an, a really cool um, eye opening time. And so I got into free improv while we were while I was at Rowan, and then at Ithaca. You know, I was honing my composition skills with Gordon, and then he also, um, you know, was super supportive of my free improv. And then my first recital there, uh, my grad recital, um, I had a program of four or five pieces, and I, I said, Gordon, you know, I, I think I want to just improvise transitional material through it. And he said, go for it. So yeah. I ended up doing like a 50 minute nonstop program where I like seamlessly, you know, had like a, a set piece that was composed and then I improvised transitional material into the next one and that. Huh. And people like went nuts over it. So I was like, it was the first time where I was like, oh my God, people actually kind of like to hear me improvise. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought sure. I was just doing it for me. Yeah. Uh, so the improvisations and... I mean, this is all stuff that I wanted to get into. So I guess oh, no time like the present here. So, yeah. so the improvisation at that time through at Ithaca going from like, like uh, programmed piece to programmed piece, would you like, how did you approach that? You were taking kind of elements from the piece that you just ended and then kind of transitioning to elements from the piece you were about to play or like, how did so you that... sort of approach that, that improv? Yeah. Um, that was part of it. Um, I would take themes, but I also like by the end of the program, I actually kind of was even using themes from earlier on oh, and sure. kind of like I made like a whirlwind of, of, uh, you know, kind of, I guess concepts from all the pieces that I played and kind of strung it together. Yeah. Um, so I, I was having a conversation with Gloria Yehalevsky like a week or so ago and yeah. she's part of her kind of philosophy is also improvisation and and she talked a little bit about kind of i know it seems counterintuitive but the structure of improvisation like do you kind of have a have a a philosophy or a, a mindset that when you're going into to an improvisation session like how you're going to approach it or do you give yourself parameters or structure like can you just talk a little bit i guess about how you approach improvisation Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and in fact, um, I, uh, I recently released a book of exactly that. Okay. So it's uh, 10 basically structures um, that that I recommend to, you know, start improvising. And so it's called Improvisation Etudes, okay. Volume 1. Um, and I worked on it for, you know, about, 
guess four, four or five years. It was kind of a slow burn, you know, right. to get to it. And where it came out of actually was that I, it didn't really, I didn't do much with it, unfortunately, but um, it, I guess four or five years ago, I, I started, you know, kind of like putting ideas down in a blog and I was calling it just hashtag improvise, like was the, that was the hashtag for it. Right. Um, I, but the cool thing about it was that I got my ideas out there and then I started calling up people um, that I wanted to play with. And, you know, some people I hadn't met before that I never played with. Some people I played with for years mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we just improvised together and I recorded them and, you know, they're, they're you know, still out there, which is kind of cool. Right. And what we did um, was I, I had these cards and you can actually download them on my website um, under sheet music. They're free. Sure. And so they're just little structure cards. So it could be like, you know, if you're uh, playing pitched instruments or if you're with other instrumentalists, it, it uh, might say set a key or it might say pick three notes yeah. or set a time limit, um, groove based, song like. And then you put a bunch of them in a, in a hat or I normally use this big tomato can, you know, I'm Italian, so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I have those laying around. Sure. And so I, I you know, I put a, pull them out of the can and if as long as they apply, you, you leave them there and then you just go for it. And that okay. was like how it kind of started. And that's how I've, you know, when I go do improv clinics, um, that's like what I do every time is what we do big improvisations with these cards and you know it's, it's a lot of fun sure and so that's a process you sort of developed or is that something you picked up uh in your education or or exploration i, I mean i i definitely didn't make it up um you know yeah. i got i got the idea from like this i guess it, it's not really the ideas for the structure, but I got the idea to explore like how to teach somebody how to improvise um, from Bill Kahn's book. Oh, okay. Um, you know the that whole creative music making process that he has, and his he has no limitations. It's just yeah. basically you start playing and then you stop playing, right. and it's a whole process of recording it and talking about it. Um, and he was really gracious, actually. You know he checked out my my book and we were in conversations like a lot bef right before I released it back in March um so I shout out to Bill Khan right. for that and um but yeah so it, it was like you know definitely different from his mindset of just you know going for it mine's a little bit more structured yeah. but I wanted to kind of encourage people to use it in their practice because that's how I started out using it besides like playing in that dark practice room with a bunch of people and just going nuts like I also would you know when I remember the first time like learning Porgy and Bess and I'm like pulling my hair out you know with some of the lines and then I just started improvising around um, like what I always like to call them zones right okay. and they're like really Porgy the first few measures is based off of six notes sure. so it's really not as you know uh, complex as we like as percussionists like think about it I mean it is and it isn't you know it's right. like you have to just you know get comfortable with these zones and then master those so right. it's not just about practicing it for me at least it didn't work just to practice something over and over again the same way um, and it, it really helped me internalize you know what I was playing so so using instrumentation or improvisation as a tool to become more comfortable with content or uh, pieces that might be more technically challenging, you found that to be pretty helpful. Definitely, yeah. yeah. 
and I play a lot of you know contemporary music and um, I will probably get into that later but you know right. like playing that music sometimes I spend a whole practice session on you know one measure or two <laughs> measures right. because it's just you know it's that you know technically or just mentally challenging and so I use improvisation you know a lot uh, to, to learn music and again yeah. internalize it so that it goes beyond just you know on the page yeah no I think that's uh, I, I think it's a great point because I well two things like Bill's philosophy uh, if I understand like kind of limitless uh, improvisation almost like what I talked to Gloria about it you know, we kind of agreed that that could actually be a little limiting because if you, you don't have any limits, there's like there's no boundaries, really. So it's like you almost get overwhelmed on on which direction to go or are kind of, you know, what thought you want to musically get out. Um, and shoot my other point. I forgot my other point. But that was a really good point, <laughs> Anthony. Yeah. No, no, that was – and actually that just made me think of something too. Um, like when you said it was limiting, you know, I, I actually yeah. also think of like my pieces, for instance, as like they are my pieces. So it's not yeah. 100%, you know, original for the or, – or not – I shouldn't say original. It's not 100% um, – the the players it's like mine you know what i mean it still sounds yeah, like sure. me in a sense and so yeah. what i have encouraged anyone who who has checked out the book is you know i hope that they use these to explore kind of you know their voice within you know those limitations that i've provided but then also i mean hopefully they start making their own etude improv etudes or they make their yeah. own improvisation material so it's not like a be-all end-all and i think that's the beautiful thing and like even gloria and i we collaborated on a video um oh, okay. last week and kind of did a similar thing where we mashed like our two you know ver ways that we improvise together and i think that's the best part about it is like we can you know explore this free space in our own way You touched briefly on some of your contemporary, like um, percussion activities. Like, mm -hmm. like what are you involved in, in now that uh, it fits under that vein? Because you have a lot going on as far as improvisation and live processing or electronics, which is also what I definitely want to talk about. But you're involved in in kind of a, a music scene in on the East Coast, like uh, New Jersey. Um, maybe New York a little bit. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up now. Eastern Maine, <laughs> you know, kind of all the all the way down to the Outer Banks. I think yeah. in North Carolina. Yeah, so, is, oh man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I so I actually um, kind of grew up in in like the Philly scene because I was you know from South Jersey, and um, so it's it's funny though because when I moved back from uh, when I moved back from Ithaca. Um, I had just started playing with this new music group um, based out of New York City, um, which they are, are called Glass Farm Ensemble. And right. um, basically, like, I had just done a recording with them. And so, actually, a lot of my work was in New York for a time. And so, even, you know, I, I feel like the, those next few years um, kind of shaped a lot of what I was, you know, 
I guess gearing toward because I right. didn't really know exactly what I what I quote wanted to do when I grew up. You know, I kind of still don't know. Yeah. Um, and so I felt <laughs> you're like, not grown up yet. No, definitely not. And yeah. so I just thought like, you know, I just wanted to meet as many people as possible and play, and you know. Uh, just be a diverse musician and so I didn't sure. want to ever be pigeonholed as just like I only am you know a jazz player I only am a classical percussionist or I only am marimbist or I only am an improviser or whatnot and so at any right. rate when I got out of uh, when I got out of Ithaca I did that recording session I started working with this new music group and it was really great because we uh, premiered a lot of pieces and the the group was uh, f founded by a Swiss musician, uh, and okay. so uh, we played a lot of uh, music by Swiss composers. Um, but then in the meantime, I was going down <laughs> to 42nd and 9th Avenue every weekend, and I was playing um, a burlesque show <laughs> on drum set. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. like it was just like this wild thing. It started at 10 p.m., and, like, it was like, you know, there were like belly sword swallowing belly dancers and like oh, wow, flamethrowers yeah. and, you know, like juggling acts and then like all like wild girls running around and like it was nuts. And I, you know, like did that for three years and then I met a bunch of like of my Broadway percussionist friends and, you know, started yeah. getting into like the theater end of things. And so it kind of like it just the New York scene really also like still shapes me. And like, I mean, I feel like so depressed every time I read the news about like what's going on in New York now. Um, but right. like, because it was such like a vibrant, you know, place to be. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Do you know the name Andy Jones? Yeah. Who's the percussionist uh, for Wicked, you know, the original Broadway production. And he kind of reached out to me somewhat recently. And, and I think he's hopeful <laughs> for like Broadway, uh, probably for next year, 2021. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, everything, I mean, he was, I know he was playing kind of part-time. Okay. Like, so he was subbing out about half his gigs for Wicked, but still playing and do, had been doing it since the beginning. But I know he had to, he's had to make some major life changes, yeah. <laughs> like, like since, since COVID. So yeah, but I think he's, yeah, I think he's hopeful. I think it, you know, some stuff might come back. But yeah, it's it's kind of sad. I mean, I want to. That's something that we could talk about um, a little bit later, as far as like COVID and how that's affected you and stuff. But yeah, um, no, there's interesting. I think it's cool. I, I sort of mention this in almost every uh, interview that I do. Like, I think I, you know, I think I know a fair amount of about the people that I'm talking to. But there's always stuff that comes out. Like, I didn't realize you spent you know, kind of so much time in New York and, and that was kind of the, uh, you know, maybe a catalyst for some other activities and, and, uh, some other stuff you had going on. Like, I mean, for instance, now the, a lot of the electronics and, and live processing that you incorporate into your composing and improvisation. I mean, did that, you know, stem from any time in there or is that a whole separate sort of progression yeah. of interest? Yeah. I mean, I definitely was like checking out a lot of live music. I mean, both in in the Philly area and and in New York. But um, right. yeah, I mean, I think the electronics is something that's also always kind of been an interest of mine. Um, you know, and I've always enjoyed electronic music, and also right. you know wanted to kind of incorporate it into percussion music. So like uh, my snare drum solo bounce. 
um, which I wrote right. in 2014. It was um, like the first time I ever explored, um, you know, electronics with percussion music. And, you know, it has like a hip hop y vibe to it. And sure. it was something that, you know, I was interested in, in taking that. And I think that totally has, like, that interest has totally sparked my new EP too, which I know we'll talk about yeah. later. But, you know, yeah. that um, that was just a medium I was I was interested in. live processing stuff um it wasn't until more recent that i got you know my you know things together so to speak um to be able to right. do that and i just i took a, a while to just like learn it and i mean i've been reading you know about a lot of electronic processing and you know learning the different dolls um and learning you know about miking and through throughout the last you know 10 years but you know i didn't sure. start really applying it to to my own creative process um until yeah. probably the last two years and w was there a kind of a inspiration for that yeah other uh, yeah other than this maybe i know you mentioned bounce yeah uh, the snare drum solo but was there a kind of another catalyst or inspiration for exploring that more uh, it was actually just time and you know oh, you yeah. would think that we, it, we, it would be during covid but um so going right. back for a second to um when i was i played with that the new music group um so in okay so i was throughout that whole time after i got out of grad school i was also teaching and basically like i got hired to um you know basically build or rebuild this band program because I have an undergrad degree in music ed and performance. Oh, okay. And so yeah. I got hired to just part-time build up this band program, right? So this was in 20... Like at a high school level? Middle school. Oh, okay. And I didn't want high school because I'm like, well, I can never play if I have a high school band job. Sure. Right? And I didn't want right. to deal with the really little kids. So I got this random... It was just like a, a an offer to do this. So I'm like, okay, that's great. I can still perform a lot. I can still write. And I can go in there and like build something. That would be really cool. Well, the next year, the general music teacher retires. And I already knew the kids. So they were like, oh, you should do this job. And I was like, all right. But it ended up being just too much for me. And I did it for six yeah. years. Um, I, I really did love the kids um, and my job, but it was like throughout that whole time. I mean, I literally was still so active in the music industry, like performing and composing. I mean, I wrote some of my, you know, like at least at, as of now, like some of my most played pieces like Bounce was written while I was teaching. I wrote um, my uh, drum set and percussion ensemble piece that placed in the PAS composi composition contest. Um, you know, I wrote Nine Lives, which was uh, uh, commissioned for the Atlanta, at the time, Atlanta snare drum competition um, okay. by Tom Sherwood. You know, like I had some, I had a lot of things that I was still really interested in and I needed to create. It, it, I knew that I couldn't, um, you know, be a, a like a just a, teacher my my whole career i need to do it to survive basically and sure. so i think i kind of got to a point where i i said you know this is too much like i can't wake up at 7 a.m or 6 30 a.m to teach at 7 leave school at 3 p.m go to new york which is an hour and a half from my house go play right. a gig and then drive back home 
and go to bed and then go get up, you know, after I <laughs> went to sleep at 2 a.m. and, you know, get yeah. up and teach the next morning. Right. Like, it just got too much. So I said, if I have an opportunity, I'm going to take it. So this is what takes me to the last thing. So in 2018, it was actually right around the time I was recording the pieces that you guys commissioned. Yeah, yeah. So beatbox. The snare drum solos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so... So those three pieces. So basically, um, I got an offer from Glass Farm to go to Europe um, for okay. a few months, and so we, you know, went, um, you know, we went to Europe in the in the fall of 2018, and um, you know, I took a leave from my job, and uh, after that, it was another like one of those pivotal moments. Like my wife actually was able to come with me, which was awesome. Okay. We got to like see Europe, and. Um, you know. Well, that was a sorry. That was a yeah. another, a question I had. I mean, I know you're married, and with a little one. No, like, but on the way. Oh, okay. Actually, on the oh, way. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Yeah. No. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but I knew. Yeah, I knew you were married. So, and I was curious if you were married during that time because that's just a whole nother level of of stress and and scheduling and stuff like that. Um. So, yeah, it's cool she be, she got to go to Europe with you. Yeah, yeah, um, she came out for, I guess, two weeks. Um, okay. And, yeah, you know, because she works at, she also works at Rowan. Um, so, we, okay. like, we met there, and, you know, we're both, we're both back there um, okay. at, yeah. at Rowan. Oh, so you met in school. We did, yeah. Okay, yeah, great. Um, yeah, so basically, like, that, that happened, and then I was just like, well, I got a taste of, like, the tour life, and I got a taste of, you know not having a regular nine to five for a while. And I'm like, I, I need, yeah. I need this. And so when I got home, um, it was maybe November ish. It was like right before Thanksgiving. And I start, that's how my electronics actually came to life because I had time to explore it. And yeah. I, I was still teaching privately. So that was like, and, and performing. So that was like my, my baseline. That's like how I paid the bills. And then right. I was able to, you know, just like spend time every day, you know, with my electronics, like trying to hone those and improvising. And my challenge, the imp the whole one minute improv was like, because inspired by that time that sure. I had. So I, I said when I came home from the tour, I didn't have like a ton going on for a month because you know, like especially with for, I don't know for me in my so far I've I've learned that January is like horrible. I like never have any performing <laughs> work in yeah. in January. So right. it was super slow and I said, "All right, well, when, I'm going to spend the next 2 months, I thought, you know, and I'm going to my challenge to myself is to improvise and post something every single day." So I'm going to yeah. um you know, I've always kept a log of these improvs. I actually have them back from even when I was a grad student. I have like okay. improvisation videos that I would keep. And so I said, I'm gonna like challenge myself and actually put myself on the spot and post it. So my idea was I would improvise something and then I'd have to, you know, start and end that idea within a minute. Um, are you familiar with uh, Joe Moore's snare drum daily etudes? Yep. I mean, it's, I think I talked to him for the podcast too and it was it's eerie like the similarities like he felt like he really needed to challenge him, himself like in that with composition and be like he needed to push himself and it sounds like a really like a similar story yeah like you you wanted to to challenge yourself compositionally and improvisationally i guess and kind of hone some of those those skills yeah it's really cool yeah i w i didn't know that that was you know i didn't realize that, that was his his uh, story about that too. That's cool. Yeah, they're really cool. Yeah, pieces. I mean, at least that. 
yeah, he. I mean, I think that was that was it. He he kind of talked to me about the the kind of concept for his you know one year study for snare drum and kind of like these daily etudes. He really wanted to to push himself to to be creative and just get something out every day. Um, so yeah, it's I don't know. I I give a lot of credit to kind of people that commit like yourself and Joe like okay I'm gonna do this and it's a goal and I'm gonna do it no matter what maybe comes out of it every day like but at least it's, it's something like my wife is a if it's a graphic designer and uh, she works for a you know larger corporation but she's like sometimes I feel like I there's still some creativity that um, you know she gets to be creative in her job but there's other stuff that she maybe would want to do or explore and she's like maybe you know even if I pushed myself even once a week to like do something and do a blog or something and kind of a little bit write about it and then we talk about the process and I'm like okay what's <laughs> yeah like we don't have enough going on right now but I I mean I feel the same way it's yeah. like yeah it'd be that's it'd really be great cool. to kind of to kind of to share some of those those things so has she done it um no, <laughs> I mean this was kind of a conversation after because again I was talking to her about my my talk with Joe and and then she kind of brought it up separately and I was like well yeah this guy percussionist and composer I know um, kind of worked on this project a couple years ago and um, I think it was really helpful for him. Yeah, so your so your electronics and um, is that is this are we kind of getting gradually to your ep then your release yeah, yeah I guess uh, so. is, is that is that kind of what we're is that what we're building towards here I is like so. your, yeah yeah so can you talk to me about um first i had to look up ep i did yeah i even had to google ep like um obviously extended play and like kind of what that means in the modern modern sense mm -hmm. like can you even even talk about that because i know you know vinyl you know, they had EPs, which were like you could only fit a certain number of songs on a side, as opposed to like a long play, like an LP record, which is like obviously it's coming back. I mean, I I go out and hunt for LPs now, like yeah. uh, kind of longer longer format, longer play stuff. So, what does an EP like kind of relatively mean now in the modern digital age? Yeah, so it, it's actually from a technical standpoint, it's anything that's less than six songs and oh, okay. has uh, a time stamp of uh, 30 minutes or less sure so if you you know fit those then you're you know you're an ep and you know we yeah. it's a lot of people have asked me so far like well why did you choose to write you know music that would be on an ep and not just release singles you know we're in the right. single mindset right now and you know i think sure. part of part of the reasoning behind um my thought process was just coming from you know a composers you know, style like I, I'm always thinking, thinking like the big picture, right? And what Good. this music will tell at the end. And so, I wrote the first one, which is released now, the single, which is called "Whimsical by Nature," and um, that single is available everywhere. Um, you know, shameless plug um, <laughs> <laughs> on Bandcamp and Spotify and all that stuff. Yes, but which we will include all those in our show notes too. So yeah, cool. I mean, that's definitely definitely part of it. Yeah. All right. I'm sure, people people know about this. Um, so yeah. So then I I started writing that. Um, I guess in March or April, and it, sure. it, it uh, I started doing that, and then so. I, I had an idea to just continue continue it and I wanted to 
it was another like personal goal to, to try and really push myself to keep it um, no more any of the tracks they I didn't want them longer than like around the four minute mark so I wanted them to be a little bit easier to consume not you know my normal style of you know like writing like four minutes is short you know what I mean yeah, for most of right. my pieces oh, so yeah. normally it's like you know I don't know for some reason I write a lot of like eight minute pieces or, or something it's just like a number sure. that I, I hit um, <laughs> the eight minute wonder and so yeah. like it, it's kind of like you know I wanted to, to do something that was easier to consume um, and had a vibe that was closer to my electronics um, things that I've been building and also the electronic pieces with percussion that I've uh, already written like uh, Bounce and I have a marimba and electronics piece called Float which was kind of like a sequel to, to that piece and now Beatboxing Robot which you guys commissioned Snare right. and Electronics and you know since then I've also collaborated with um, a bunch of uh, ambient and synth artists like I, I collaborate with this contra alto clarinetist which everybody should check out gildan who is like an amazing just like you know ambient artist okay um and this uh other ambient like and uh modular synth dude um he goes by per bar fat I just uh, I wanted to to just like use all of these you know interests of mine like in the ambient in the like kind of lo-fi hip-hop music that I was starting to get into um, okay and like some of my my other interests like you can totally in, in one of the songs that isn't released yet even hear aspects of like the metalhead in me and like I love animals <laughs> as leaders and like instrumental okay. elect, you know instrumental uh like heavy metal and so you can totally hear some of like influences by bands like that with like you know the metric modulations and you know uh time signature or even just like i use um the the guitarist from that band tosin abasi he's got a plug-in um that's for guitarists and it you basically can like use his actual gear and um you know over the last i guess four months or five months I've honed a way to use it on both marimba and vibraphone. Right. And so you hear it on the single that I released, but I even do like some like heavy, like gent, you know, like gent electric right. guitar, like gent, 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 gent on, on the marimba. <laughs> and you'll, you, yeah, you, you awesome. can hear that, you know, in the, in the third yeah. track. Yeah. Cool. How, so how do you, <laughs> so that's, so that's a plug in. Okay, I'm going to be really elementary right sure, now. Sure, go for it. Like, so literally you're just miking the marimba and running it through this processor or running it through, um, I don't, I'm sure you don't use GarageBand. But, no. You're like, no, juvie. Yeah, no, you novice. Like, <laughs> or uh, new, noob, right? Isn't that what yeah, the newbie. Yeah, newbie. Um, right. But the, yeah, I, I use Ableton Live um, for actually – that was a, a new switch for me though um and again you can definitely call like you know the quarantine and just in general right. having more time since like i switched actually january 1st it was like i bought ableton on new year's day 
<laughs> right. And because yeah. it was just um, something I wanted to, to explore. I was using Logic um, before that and to do all of my other improv videos the past you know two years or so. And um, there's great effects plugins and great, like I would build, you can hand build delays and um, ring modulators and all these crazy things um, by hand in Logic, which is great. But right. it's not a, a great tool, at least I've found, to perform live with. And so okay. Ableton, you know, is really flexible. And so I can, you know, it can record everything that I do in real time, including, like, moving knobs and sliders. And then I can also still create, like, you know, all the delays that I made for the album are all, you know, like basically handmade. I, you know, can tweak sure. them, and which is really awesome. There's, like, no limitations there. Yeah, and that's the hard thing about getting in, involved in all this is like, it really is like, going back to what we had, you had mentioned I think with Bill Kahn's theory of improvisation, right. right? Like sometimes you go down a rabbit hole and it's just so hard to get your bearings because <laughs> there's right. so much. And so yeah. any my my advice that I would give anybody that would be interested in getting into electronics is like just learn it first. You know, like yeah. I I was fortunate enough to be doing enough that I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do as an artist. Um, and that's the first thing is like, if you don't really even know what you want to your music to sound like, or if you're not sure what you want it to be, it's going to be really yeah. hard because you literally have endless possibilities. Yeah. No, I, again, I could see that as being really overwhelming and sort of a stopper for people. Like, uh, cause I think you would have to have a really clear idea of, of kind of that sound that you want. And I, that's what I find really intriguing. I think about, um, uh, you know, people like yourself that are that are like kind of immersing themselves in this electronics field and even like more like modern, like Arcade Fire. I'll use them as an example or something like really I find to be creative, like musically, like and I'm like, how do they even get there? Like, how do they even like begin to experiment with different sounds instrumentations um or effects and stuff and like find like they could spend days you know months just with like one track totally. and kind of developing it and and i guess perfecting it in their in their mind and like it just seems really overwhelming to me I'm like like i have a hard enough time playing you know drum set in time and not rushing through a fill or whatever like let alone like try to try to like put put this entire like kind of concept together so yeah 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 i, I mean i, I found would, it i would be lying if i said it was easy or that i didn't like pull my hair <laughs> right. out most times right. you know right. like i've it just it is really like you you said it well when you just said like that i was immersing myself in it because that's really the only yeah. explanation it was just you can't you right. can't really do it in a, any other way and that's why the time with between quarantine and you know just um you know, after leaving my full-time gig was like, right. you know, monumental and me being able to yeah. do it. Like I, this music, I, I was talking to my wife the other night and, you know, she, she asked me like, do you think you would have written this, the music for the EP if COVID didn't happen? And, um, I honestly think that I wouldn't have, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, there's just always too much you know, on everybody's plates, right? We're all so busy and like, I know you, you have children, right? Yeah, yeah, two two girls, yeah. All right, so like, yeah, when you have kids and you have you know gigs and you have you have a teaching job and you have a you know a significant other, 
um, right. you know, like it, things get in the way and it's it's really difficult. And I, I'm I just feel really oh, fortunate. Yeah, ki- you know, kids get in the way a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm just telling you right. I'm, I'm telling learn, you right now. I'm gonna learn <laughs> it soon. <laughs> yes. No, they're they're awesome. But yeah, no, I. I uh, sorry, you were gonna say you're really fortunate. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's a thought there. It's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I, well, I just, I just mean like I feel really fortunate that like I have a good support system here. Yeah. And like my wife went to school as a musician. She is um, actually in communications now. Um, and so like we met there, so she understands. I mean, we always joke and say that in undergrad she kept me alive because yeah. I would just say in the practice room all day and night and she would like i'd hear like a knock on the door and like hey we got we have to go eat i'm like oh yeah. thank you you know <laughs> you need sustenance right now yeah. you need to eat and probably sleep at some point yes so. i think i think that would be good yeah so she um, she's been really cool you know throughout the process and um you know i have a great space down here to like you know you know filled with gear including my lovely bsp gear um that <laughs> oh, that's insp- so sweet yeah Thank i mean you. it's like stuff that inspires me when i come down that like i need to play that yeah you know multisonic snare drum right now right. you know what i mean or i need to right. i need to like start um you know creating right now um yeah i think it's great i mean i've um i have a a little home office and studio and that was kind of my it was before covid like we we my wife is working from home now and she was um kind of prior to that like one or two days a week working from home because um, she's in design and is able to do that mm-hmm. i guess and uh so we kind of created a space in our basement that was kid supposed to be a kid free zone so we, <laughs> we try to stick to that as much as we can <laughs> Uh, but that's where our office is and i was able to set up you know my drum set and um some uh, you know other other instruments and it was kind of been a goal of mine to like actually buy some drum mics and like okay use garage band like a noob hope maybe <laughs> maybe i'll advance to to logic like that yeah. is a goal uh so because uh, that's what jamel uses when we do all our recording and stuff okay. in in our facility he's using logic and uh, um anyways um so that's that was like a big project of mine during because we shut down black swamp was like shut down for six weeks or more six to eight weeks and then we kind of gradually started started going in and doing a little bit of manufacturing and and i was doing stuff at home like still doing social media and corresponding with dealers and doing some marketing stuff keeping that those type of things going but yeah we couldn't go into the office so yeah i was able to set up you know my mics finally you know and like figure out how to record and and do stuff and and begin to start to mix so um and now yeah you're i think you're you're right it's like now i am back to work and our girls are still around you know they're going to school in uh next week okay um yeah but i've already found like okay i don't i don't necessarily have the time. <laughs> i wish i could <laughs> devote the time to it um so not that i want to uh, be self-quarantined for another few months or anything, but it was definitely helpful to be able to like devote some time and attention to that. So then, when I do decide, oh, I can, I, I have this thought or whatever or this groove that I want to get out that I've been wa- walking around and singing f- to myself for the last three weeks, like I could actually press record and play it, and then, and then probably never listen to it or, or hear it ever again. <laughs> well, you know, you you said something that uh, like um is really how I 
approach it and I've approached it since I started my one minute improvs a couple years ago yeah. it was like I decided exactly that that I needed to be able to come down to a space that was like again inviting it one made me want to create but also it was easy to create right so like yeah, sure. I have the same setup where I can come down at any given moment I may have to move you know the camera because our setups are big and you know like we have, it's not right, like right. we're just playing one instrument and so you know I can move the camera but like my mics are all set up i can hit record like i'm ready to go yeah. in a, any given notice yeah that's great you know and that's yeah. important for me just i i think you know because sometimes you know i if i lose my train of thought or if i just you know i get distracted you know because i can see the i'm not my studio is on the bottom floor but it's not a, a basement so like i have sure. a sliding door you know and i have like windows and so if yeah. i get distracted by the outside or something and you know whatever you know it's hard to to get back into it and i noticed that like i needed to have my set time that works for me um yeah and that i found actually starts at around 11 a.m that's like when i do my best work actually and that, <laughs> that's what you you yeah well you've had enough coffee and and you're you're ready to actually start the day <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> right. i was gonna say that's why uh, it was great that you you said 11 a.m like, 11 o'clock hey, perfect. <laughs> perfect this is it <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah i mean well 11 a.m yeah worked for me too i uh that's a side note i I, I definitely need coffee in the morning, and I need like a couple hours to like not be crabosaurus, I guess. <laughs> but kids would say. Uh, what so, kind of coffee are you um, drinking? Uh, Anything what, good around uh, you? No, I mean we honestly. Uh, I mean, I do prefer Starbucks, I guess, or whatever. But we don't. Yeah, we just buy coffee yeah exactly i'm not a, a main i'm not a major connoisseur so it's pretty much just like i need the caffeine yeah nice to get me going and if you ask the guys at work like even like right now i'm i'm kind of home two to three days a week working and then i go in and do shipping and you know other stuff that i need to do because mm -hmm. we're we're still operating with a pretty limited crew okay but even before that like jamel our He's our VP of operations. Um, he'd be like, I know not to talk to you before like 10 a.m., you know? <laughs> so it's like, he's like, you just, it's just a conversation isn't worth it before that. <laughs> like, so, uh, but, and he's a morning person, man. You go in and he's just like, he's like ready to go at, you know, before he gets in well, you know, early and is already kind of working and getting his day started before, you know, everybody else is rolling in before eight o'clock and ready to go. But, um, I wish I could say uh, the same. I'm like totally a musician at heart. Like I just, uh, <laughs> that was another thing. Like my, you know, my dad going back to him being a baker, like he, we right. used to literally like when I still lived at home for a year, um, when I got out of, uh, uh, when I got out of my master's, like we would literally pass each other in the morning. Like he'd be, he, you know, goes in at 4am like to go yeah. bake and we yeah. would, I would be just coming home from a gig. We're passing like, all right, see you. I'll see you yeah. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, uh, we made a joke with our girls uh, once, thir just turned 13. She's our oldest. And then we have uh, like an eight and a half year old. Okay. And we just offhand made a joke. Like, you know, we had to get to work or whatever. And we were like, yeah, time to make the donuts here. <laughs> and uh, they were like, what are you talking about? Like, so we were, we actually showed them the Dunkin' Donuts, you know, the baker, the bakery commercials, yeah. that, you know, old timey 1980s yeah, <laughs> commercial. Man. Time to make the donuts, yeah. man. He's up at. <laughs> Up at the before the crack of dawn, uh, mm -hmm. getting his work done. So oh yeah, 
And you know, um, what I was gonna like say about that too is that my dad always because if he got up so early, right? He always just tell like he would tell my brother and I like, oh yeah, you'll get used to it. It's fine. Like, I think my brother maybe he did, but I just never like it was always hard to wake up when I when I like when I actually had to, and I will. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like I really don't want to like I yeah. I I do my best work like I said you know like yeah. mid morning right well I don't mean to put the pressure on but once your once your kid is born man that's when I started drinking coffee <laughs> oh uh, really actually yeah okay. yeah so I did never really drink in college or or after college it's yeah 13 years ago when our daughter was born and and I was like this is what like 5 a.m. looks like, you know, like, oh, crap. Uh, so, yeah, that's when I, no, it's, you're going to have a blast, man. Seriously. It's going to, there's no going back. Yeah, this man, I, I'm, I'm really so stoked, though, man. And actually, we're, yeah. we're having a little girl, too. Oh, yeah, and congratulations. Thank yeah. you. And I, I'm just like, I'm on cloud nine, man. It's like I thought, yeah. what I thought was, you know, like the most important thing, um, you know, is now bumped down a notch. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's just, uh, it's a cool, cool time. So I gave you advice, yeah. well, or maybe our, the listeners about electronics. So now can, sure. you need to give me one tip for <laughs> being a new dad. Uh, tip for being a new dad. Yeah. Let's see What's here. What's your best advice? Uh, and my best advice is if you, the kid has, doesn't want to have anything to do with you, like, uh, don't take it personally, like, because they're more than likely they will want mom all the time, twenty four seven. Like, it. Our girls were kind of, kind of both. Like our, our, and at different times, it's kind of strange. They'll, they'll evolve, but obviously they're, they're children. They, they will grow up and evolve and change. But yeah, like, you know, our oldest specifically, from the time she was born, she was like a, a mama's. A mama's girl, okay. you know, like I couldn't do I couldn't do anything that would please her from the time she was an infant all the way until she was like four or five. Like all she didn't really want to have anything to do with me where. But our youngest, um, I, you know, I'm the one that could put her to sleep. You know, I kind of had that magic touch. Um, she didn't like me to feed her. She only liked even with a bottle like she was she just wanted mom. So, uh, yeah, don't take it. Don't don't take offense if they uh, if if the kid. uh if the kid doesn't seem to like you <laughs> at first, <laughs> right. All right. No, okay. that'll be great. So that's the first thing that came to mind. That's yeah. not, it's not really, it, it's not problem solving there, I guess. It's nothing groundbreaking, but no, it's that's help, all it's I got. helpful though. You know, and from another, yeah. it's, you got the, the girl squad at, at home yeah. too. So, yeah. I'll, you know, I, well, I get that. And the, I mean, the biggest thing too is like, if you do have another kid, like do you, I don't know why my wife and I thought, that they would be exactly the same, like <laughs> act the same, you know, t think the same, react the same, but they don't. It's like they couldn't be more different, like the two of them. Since the day, even before they were born, my, my wife was like, I can tell, like, this child is going to be different and going to be harder. <laughs> like, and our youngest is definitely, like, like more challenging for us. And But it's, but we need it, you know, it's like we can't. Why would we expect it to be any different? I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. I get that. Cool. Well, is there anything else about your EP or anything else kind of that you have going on you wanted to talk about or uh, information we should know? Yeah. So, I mean, I just actually yesterday um, announced officially that the EP will be out 
on October 16th. Right. Um, and it's going to be, you know, three tracks. Um, and then, and actually the way I'm, I'm, uh, I've decided to kind of make the flow of the album is kind of goes, uh, similar to what I told you about my recital back in grad school, where I did like a seamless right. thing. And, um, I, I've, I'm always, I, I like the idea of seamless, even like my multi-movement pieces that I've written, like a lot of times they work seamlessly. And so sure. that whole, like, again, big picture vibe, um, is really something I'm interested in, in, in like to deliver my music. And so what I've decided to do is I made, um, two tracks that are, uh, will kind of sequence the three together. So there's like okay. a track, almost like a one minute improv. And then a right. track, a one-minute improv, and then the, oh, yeah, the track. So it's um, kind of in that similar vibe. So it's it's technically it'll be five tracks, but it's actually three three songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so and October. 16th. That's another reason for the EP kind of concept too. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know if I if I ever like finished that idea, but like or that thought when we talked about it earlier. But yeah, they, I just I thought that these I wanted to write um, a few tunes that went together you know like that people could sit down and like listen to all at once i think it's only yeah. maybe 15 or so no less uh of music and you know it's just it's just like a you know puts you in in my my zone for a couple minutes yeah um cool well i'm kind of before we i have another question i guess sure. and it, it's just kind of something i thought of when you were talking about um, basically some of your collaborations and especially, and it's kind of a little tied to, you know, the, you know, COVID situation, obviously the landscape has totally changed for rehearsing and performing and practicing everything. Can you talk a little bit how, about how you've, you've been collaborating the last several months with people? I mean, you mentioned, uh, Gildan and, uh, Prabhar Fat, yep. um, and kind of those, um, um, projects like how are you guys sort of coordinating this or how are you collaborating yeah well my um i, I kind of initiated all all of them all of these at least and um my thought process was i don't want to make chamber music <laughs> try and oh, i yeah. don't want to fake chamber music i should say like over skype or you know over a video or whatever because you know sure like it can't you can't like see each other you can't take cues it's not like you can't breathe the same way um and I, right. so i wasn't really interested in in doing something that required a lot of uh coordination so what i uh, offered was that i'll send something and then you just add to it sure or vice versa and then actually in the the latest one with uh with gloria what we did was kind of cool where so she i sent her a she sent me a 30 minute a 30 second clip and then i sent her a one minute clip okay so basically you know i finished her idea and then sent it back to her and she added to to that so it was kind of like a give and take back and okay. forth and did they overlap then yes like oh okay yeah. yeah and then so yeah in the end they they did overlap but it was kind of cool to put it together because um you know, it was like almost like a, a collage. You know, it didn't. It wasn't yeah, necessarily sure. an idea that we started from. You know, from beginning to end, it was more of like, well, that thirty-second clip that she sent me first ended up being towards the end of the the video. Oh, I see. You know, yeah, yeah. So, so like, you could kind of cut and paste, move, shuffle things around. Yeah, yeah very cool. Yeah, 
And then, uh, um, so that that was one thing. And then, you know, the other, uh, the, yeah, any of the other collabs um, that I've uh, been involved in is basically like in a similar in a similar way, where somebody will send something and then I'll add to it. So I'm working with um, this really great uh, double neck guitarist. He's amazing, okay. um, Ian Ethan Case. You can also find him on Instagram. Uh, I've I've seen his name around. Is has uh, has Jeff Willett been involved yeah. with him? And actually, some this way, group is with Jeff. So oh, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm, very cool. I'm good friends with both of those guys. Okay, yeah. Uh, and maybe it, maybe I saw it through you, t- like maybe something you shared or posted it online one time. I just remember the the guitarist name, yeah, and was like, yeah, he was amazing. And then I also kind of wanted to ask you about Jeff because I've seen you guys kind of collaborate on stuff, and and he just seems like a cool guy and a great a great drummer. I kind of follow what he's doing online too. So how do you know Jeff then? Uh, actually, through Steve Weiss. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. it was like. I went there, I don't even remember when this was, a few years back, and you know, we started talking because he was kind of in charge at the time um, with organizing all of their gongs, and I was picking out, okay. you know, I was picking out a gong for a concert I was playing, and um, that's the beautiful thing about living near Steve Weiss, I can just like go <laughs> right. and pick out yeah. the instrument, but you know, I, I went up there and we, we got to talking, and then he was telling me that he was working on an album. And uh, then the next time, um, you know, I gave him my email at that point, and then like a few days later, he emails me. And he's like, "Hey, do you want to play on my album?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that would be awesome." <laughs> so, and he, yeah. you know, he, as you can see, he's like an amazing drum set hand percussionist, and so he right. said, "I want you to play marimba on it." So he wrote these ridiculous marimba tracks, and you know, oh, wow. we, uh, you know, he rented a marimba from Weiss, and like just in his. Uh, in-laws house have a, a pretty well set up recording studio and jeff is super talented as a um, right. you know a, an engineer too so he right. you know engineered it and then we've been involved in a bunch of different projects um together ever since yeah so ian ethan case was was after that then like that was kind of the start of your so you're working together yeah so ian we jeff and i after that recording session um jeff introduced me to ian because he was passing through philly and um you know he needed an opening act and so i said oh, okay hey well at the time i was just starting to work on my improv etude so it was probably probably in 2016 and um okay. he said you know uh or I, I told jeff i have these improv etudes we should just like basically make it into like a you know a long piece like make it into like sure. a, a 30 minute set or something and so we improvised around this etude as the opening act for ian and then ian okay. played and then we all uh played something together and it was like you know such a great experience so then we all kept in touch and jeff and i keep working together then uh, jeff brought ian in to work on this album that i you know jeff's album that i also played marimba on oh, okay and then right when quarantine hit, uh, Jeff reached out again and said, hey, you know, I want to I've been want, really wanting to, you know, put together uh, some tracks with you and Ian and myself. So we're working on um, a couple of tracks now. 
that you know we've been working on since probably March, and I don't know when yeah. that'll be released because um, we all have albums coming out too. Right. Um, but yeah. you know, so it's been it's been really cool. Like that, just you know, is as hard as it's been, and is what you know how much horrible things have been going on in the world, and you know the, all the political issues, and you know it's been really right. nice to continuously use music as an outlet, which I've done my whole life. Yeah. No, I. I I think you're right. There's sometimes I think you got to search for the silver lining, you know, and then, you know, in your case, it's, I mean, definitely family. I, I mean, mine's too. And then like getting Absolutely. to spend time with my girls at, you know, working on, I had to explain what a shrinky dink was to Gloria when we talked, <laughs> <laughs> but like being able just doing like crafts, you know, we were doing modeling clay and shrinky dinks and, and, you know, I was proud of us. We didn't watch, we didn't sit and watch Netflix all day. You know, we, of course we would, but just kind of spending time together. And, um, but you know, then yeah, obviously your case, being able to collaborate more or work with people more and, and work on your own projects. And, um, yeah, I think, I think you have to kind of find a silver lining, um, to help, to help get through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you record. Sorry, I could just keep asking questions. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just I more it. stuff keeps from. Uh, so the, when you like when you're recording with Jeff mm-hmm. or your own stuff, you're doing all this at home and then just sending them. You know, are you kind of mixing your own track or are you just sending them? I think you called it maybe a dry file. I had to Google that too. I'm like, I'm like, oh man, I don't even know what a dry file oh, is. <laughs> when we when we were emailing back and forth about like doing this and some some. Um, you know, some other stuff. I'm like, a dry file. I got to know oh. what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, no, 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 it's fine. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. Anytime um, I've so you... done those, like it basically, like they always want, um, and, and this is the same with, uh, with like even some, some of like, we didn't even talk about this, but like some, um, sampling I've done for, um, like a couple of like indie, uh, films, like they basically okay. are like, they want dry, uh, stems right so like these, okay stems, the right. files like it's just like your part basically and it's completely right. dry so there's no compression on it there's no um you know eq it's just right. basically a raw lossless file which is the best way yeah, to call yeah. it and so you send that and then you know he jeff is again a very talented at uh, mixing and you know recording engineer and so he actually will just like put it into his pro tools file and yeah. um and then mix it and then send it to Ian, and then Ian will work on on it when when he has some time, and yeah, um, yeah it's kind of like that. And we all of yeah. his work is on it on a click track too, so it's a little bit right. a little bit easier to collaborate in this way. Um, right. I mean, my my music is is on a click too uh, for the EP, but you know, like the the stuff with Gloria, for instance, that and the ambient artists that I work with Gildan, like, you know, nothing's on a click. So that's a little bit more um, tricky, but the stuff with Jeff and Ian is like very technical. And so it's all on a click. So it's not as hard to coordinate as, you know, it it sounds. Yeah. I was talking to Matthew Lau recently, and he was talking about, he has the Fisher Lau project with Abby Fisher is her name. Mm -hmm. And they do kind of collaborate and do, um, you know playing pieces he's in hong kong she's in the u.s and there are they have been during quarantine like putting pieces together and they've i think that was part of the challenge is like they had to figure out how to kind of play to a click and and do it right and 
and work it all out. Um, yeah, I've seen I a couple you, of his videos yeah. with her. Yeah, they're really cool. Um, um, yeah, I mean, they're, I don't know. I've talked to other people. Like, I really appreciate, especially, you know, Matthew's, like, um, how he's kind of packaged himself, <laughs> like his entrepreneurial, like, skills and spirit. Um, I mean, I think you've done a really, like, similar great job in, like, kind of building an identity in the in the music industry and like kind of percussion industry like was that part of your thought process only like i want to kind of like set myself apart a little bit or or was this literally just like where your interest sort of took you uh, like do you yeah i mean it might be a, a mix a mix of those um but yeah, yeah I, I always i mean even when i was in in like high school and i was in rock bands yeah. i never wanted to play covers you know, yeah. I remember like everybody was, oh, why don't you play covers? People are going to like come see it. And I'm like, well, I don't care if people come see me. I'll play oh, yeah. for three people in a, in like a skit. You know, when we were kids, like um, I'm a little younger than you, but you probably was the same thing. We all played in like skating rinks. That was the cool thing. Yeah. You know, like a rock, the local <laughs> rock bands. We're like, yeah, I'm playing at the skating rink Friday night. Let's come. You know? right. um, yeah. But at any rate, you know, I never wanted to play music. Um, or I, I wasn't as interested in playing music that was like as widely spread. I think my yeah. my EP actually is like very accessible, and yeah. that was also part of you know what I wanted to what wanted to do with that. Um, but yeah, I've always just wanted to just try and create my own path, and you know I didn't I didn't right. want to just deal with the same sounds that I you know, grew up making, I wanted to like make my own sounds and play on sure. tin cans and, you know, put effects on them and stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, and you're, I think part of it too, is you're, I mean, you've, you've figured out how to use social media too, which I think is, uh, I don't know if it's important or just smart <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> like, you know, to, to kind of, kind of, get your music out there or kind of show people your identity and like what you're what you're doing what your voice is and um i think obviously in this this age like it's a great tool and i i don't know i always appreciate when people kind of figured out how to use it too and in our active and are kind of putting stuff out there and encouraging and so I just kind of congratulate you on that. Thank you. <laughs> that too, because yeah, I mean, I, mean, I try. That alone, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that alone takes a lot of work. You know, it's like kind of one more layer, one more aspect. Like you're not just composing and then you know recording and collaborating and and writing, but now you you have to kind of maintain an, an uh, uh, IG feed or your grid, you know, or your Facebook, you know, your Facebook um, uh, page. Yeah. So. Yeah, it yeah, is. It, it is like a an important thing now, and you know, I mean, you guys, I I think do a great job at it too. I mean, just making sure that everything is at the forefront, and you feature people who ne aren't necessarily artists, you know. And, sure. Um, I, I think that, I mean, I think that we also have an awesome community, and you know, yeah. people are interested in content. But yeah, I, I think that it's kind of I, I the way I think of it is like it's fifty fifty, right? The creative side. Um, my creative side is 50% of the work that I put in and the business side is 50%. So I always try and spend, you know, an even amount of time each week on, you know, 
updating my website or like my sheet music shop or you know right. working on uh, my posts for the week um, or doing yeah. invoicing or you know because that's right. a whole other thing like when you know yeah. I mostly you know am self-employed when it comes to you know my private teaching because that's mostly my teaching is now there and then I adjunct but you know right. since that's what I do most of the time you know it's always you know many different uh you know revenue streams and you know and then on top of that staying on on top of um you know royalties through ascap yeah. or you know trying to get you know make sure that your your music is getting on playlists and you know all there's all these different <laughs> right. so many different things that are involved now yeah um well yeah that's a that's an aspect i didn't even have to think of i mean i, I work you know for a manufacturer and we're a business so we do that stuff all the time but like as a musician who you're promoting yourself and like you know you have to have some business sense too obviously and you have to have um kind of that that drive to not to not let it an invoice get lost <laughs> or you know what i mean or like totally. not like follow follow up on like you're saying making sure your music is is getting streamed or getting to platforms like all that stuff that's going to just all these little pieces that kind of add up to the to the whole thing so yeah i think that's a really good point do you ever talk to us when you're doing clinics or where you're doing master classes do you kind of talk about that more business or entrepreneurial side of of your job uh i actually not not so much more in passing okay, um, okay we'll we'll move on then Let's yeah. start <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah i mean no. it's more of like like the the master classes that i that i've done is more um you know focused around improvisation and just that yeah, yeah. you know alone it can easily eat up time but yeah i mean i think yeah. that i get those questions and i think it's yeah. it's super important and like at rowan now you know um the students have asked me that quite a bit and I, I've met with yeah. like some, I have, uh, there were a couple that were really interested in composing. And so, you know, I'll talk yeah. to them about like even little things like building a website. Do you need one in this day and age, you know, yeah. or like just your, in general, your digital footprint or, you know, is uh -huh. it worth it to go with a publisher? Is it, you know, worth it to self publish? Like, you know, all yeah. these, these questions. And I think that's another huge topic right now is, I mean, yeah. you know, I, I think that, there's really, you know, it's so it's so much easier to self-publish now because yeah. you know that's just a, a way that we can get music out there quickly and easily. You know. Yeah, and it, I don't know if it seemed if it seems scary or a little daunting when you say it's like self-publish because even at Black Swamp, we've years ago we kind of threw around like, hey, could there be a potential for a publishing kind of division? And it's like. Well, I don't even really know anything about it, and I can't even, you know, I'm I'm already working with artists and dealers and marketing and and social media and stuff, so like, like I don't really have time to kind of think through this. So we, you know, we just kind of leave it up to the people that know. But you know, maybe it's not as like overwhelming or or scary as it sounds. I mean, because I think you have you have stuff published through through um, a company, but you self publish also. Yeah, you kind of do both. Yes. Well, so I I don't. Like all of my my releases, basically from 2013 and on, is all self published. Um, okay. But my first, uh, I have four pieces published through uh, KPP. Okay. Um, you know, mostly marimba, and yeah. so th those were there, and it kind of it kind of stemmed from um, you know just getting offers when I you know 
like for instance when my piece got placed in the um the PAS composition contest it was like right. now you have like all of a sudden these publishers like interested in you and honestly <laughs> like just all right. like if i was going to give any advice to young composers and like i do it now and i know a lot of people say this too but like don't go with the publisher because they just oh, rob yeah. you like yeah you get yeah. most of your money is not you know yeah. yours so it's you know you get a set percentage and they get a lot of the rest and with the right. social media you know now it's like um you can promote yourself like i do more promotion for myself than my publisher will um, right and so you know <laughs> that's just that's just my <laughs> my thought on it and i think that yeah. everybody now could do it pretty easily and i mean yeah. i'm not saying that it's an easy job i mean i spend a lot of time right on it and I spend money on, you know, on a good website and, you know, all that. Right. But, you know, it's just not as, it's not as, uh, it's not as difficult as it maybe used to be. I think the publishing right. division, like you were talking about, gets a little bit more complex because you have to deal with licensing too, you know, sure. and like I'm only, yeah. you know, just doing like AD percussion stuff. But if you had like yeah. 500 different artists, you know, on your, yeah. on your team, like that would probably be a lot more in depth. Yeah, sure. So you're just, I mean, you're, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, handling a website, um, uh, invoicing, you know, taking orders through your website, but then you also, you have to source like a printer or like you have to get, you actually, uh, have to have the sheet music printed unless you're doing all digital, I don't know, or maybe both. Like, I don't know, how's that kind of work for you? Yeah. Uh, I didn't do, I only did PDFs in the beginning. Um, and over okay. the past, I guess two or three years, uh, I did, um, find a printer. Um, and actually thanks to, uh, Ivan, uh, Trevino and oh, sure. he basically, um, you know, hipped me to this great printer, uh, printing service in Long Island. Um, but unfortunately, um, the owner on, uh, you know, passed away like very like short, um, with, with like, she wasn't sick and it was like this whole, you know, it was a really sad story right before, uh, quarantine. And so we were all kind of finding other places. So I decided to go local and now there's a printing service, um, about 10 minutes from where I live now that I use and, um, yeah. they've been able to fulfill the orders and, you know, it's, I don't, I yeah. don't do a ton of, um, you know, hard copy sales. It definitely is more sure. PDFs. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I, it's still something that you, you know, you have to think about and you know, right. I like, I just like having control, you know, over it. I sure. like being able to, yeah. if I don't like how something looks or if something, you know, gets smudged or whatever, I can just, you know, go get a new one and send it out, you know, as opposed yeah. to with the publisher, you never know. Sure. It's out of your hands. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm tapped, man. <laughs> <laughs> we, we answered all everything on my agenda and more, which is like always super cool. So can you just, uh, I mean, where can people find you? I guess you got a website, you got, an, you got an IG handle. Yeah. Is that what the kids call it? Like, where can people find you? Yeah. So in Anthony Instagram is, um, a D percussion and right. my website is a D Bartolo percussion.com. Uh, right. and then everything is, um, you know, just link to, to those two places. And so you could find the single, which is called whimsical by nature out, you know, on any of the streaming platforms. And then, you know, once the album, uh, the EP drops, that'll be, yeah. you know, that also available. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, it was awesome talking to you and like, thanks for, 
I mean, we talked about collaboration and I really appreciate kind of what you've done for us and like being energetic and supportive and like willing to work on stuff with us. I think that's like a, a big enjoyment, like a big part piece of joy, like of my job is to be able to work. I li- basically I'm living vicariously through <laughs> uh, artists and musicians <laughs> like you, uh, like, but no, I, I mean, I think that's what makes kind of makes us worth it. Like for, for a company, like we, um, I mean, of course we love, you know, we're a manufacturer and we take a lot of pride in our instruments and, and, um, the quality and consistency of them and kind of the innovation. Um, but I think a big part of it for me is being able to work with artists and educators and, and provide additional content and, you know, educational content and help kind of promote what you're doing and, and collaborate on projects. So I really appreciate you being kind of enthusiastic in, in participating with us. So, Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I've always, as you know, respected your gear, like from day one. I mean, even from my first snare drum I bought as an undergrad student was my six and a half by 14, you know, it's like, (laughs) and it's still serving me now. And so it was like a no brainer, you know, to keep collaborating with you, you know, when, when I could. So I I think that, you know, it's something that you guys do really well. And the fact that you pull everybody in and, you know, try and feature people and let everybody, you know, um, try and showcase the the gear that that you guys make is is amazing. So I thank you as well. Great. Cool. Well, thanks for the chat, man. Yeah. Thank you. This has been a BSP production recorded and produced out of the Black Swamp Percussion Facilities in Zealand, Michigan. Audio and production assistance by Jamel Taylor and Nathan Coles. Intro and outro music by Adam Hopper. Music sprinkled throughout the episode was performed by Anthony DiBartolo and friends. <laughs> <laughs>